Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This would that would be that would be worse than anything. That that's worse than anything Eric's done on the show. That's definitely fair. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on which song he picks, it might get canceled. Out yeah, <laughs> I'll spare you the Wu Tang. <laughs> All right, I'm good to go whenever you want to uh, fire away, Mikey. What's happening out there, Stochastic basketball fans? Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. Got some coffee going. Got my pal Adam Scherer here. We're here to talk about the NBA slate. We got a big one tonight, Nine Gamer. Um, in my typical fashion, we kind of meander through these things and always end up chewing up the uh, most of the clock on like the first four games and then have to rush at the end. And that's on like a six gamer. So I can't do all that much talking. I'm going to try and temper my uh, gabbing about these different plays and my follow-up questions and all my nonsense. But uh, I do have to tell you guys that we're brought to you by Prize Picks today. We've got some great promos going with them. We're brought to you by uh, BetMGM. We'll mention a promo from them a little bit, but Prize Picks is our presenting sponsor. We've got to talk about the lineup generator a little bit later on, talk about Odd Shopper a little bit later on. But we're going to start us off by hitting the like button, hitting the subscribe for me and for Adam, and most importantly for Mikey Lawrence behind the scenes, who really got us into the mood to get on a show here by wrapping Wu-Tang for us behind the scenes. He's not going to do it on the air, unfortunately, no matter how many times you guys hit the like button. But, you know, let's get it going anyway and give a bunch of uh, love for Adam here. Adam, what's going on, man? How's your morning going so far? Uh, it's good. I mean, the last show I did was with Eric, so everything's a, a step up. Everything's an improvement. <laughs> I'm happy to be on the plus side of that equation. That's for sure. If I was hearing otherwise, I'd have to reevaluate my life, I think, <laughs> and what I'm doing here on these channels. But uh, like I said, we do have a solid nine-game slate uh, ahead of us here, so we're going to try and uh, dive right in, not waste too, too much time talking, but uh, hit the old like, hit the subscribe. Liking helps us. Subscribing helps you guys. Uh, we've also got all these different shows that you guys like and listen to and watch on here. Go up in podcast form so if you miss it live on youtube you can download it on podcast you can listen to it on the bus on the way to work on a monday morning when you take the dog for a walk on a saturday afternoon whatever the case may be hit us up with a five-star review if you like what you find uh same thing as hitting the uh, thumbs here anyway adam 
we've got a bunch of good looking games. There's only one game that's not told over 230. Of course, that was one that was getting some discussion in our Discord today uh, because Luka Doncic is going to be out for that one. And people were expecting maybe that increases the pace. Maybe that one goes haywire. But I think Vegas is probably uh, dead on keeping the uh, Dallas at Utah game down at 224 with all these other games at, uh, up and above 230. Are there any, is there any game on the board that really stands out for you that you're like looking at is like really ripe and juicy for DFS targets? Or is it a pretty broad spread across all of these games just from it, a you know, 50,000 footer it seems like a pretty broad spread like you just have a lot of games with pretty high totals relatively close totals I think there's just gonna be a lot of good plays we can get to yeah and it looks like going through the injury report you know we've got our obvious question marks and a few guys that are uh, lingering with some uh, game time decisions some probables some question marks but it does look like there's a lot of teams with just kind of their full complement of players so we've got a lot of projectable uh, at least now, early on a Saturday, we all know how Saturdays go and things change and everything in the NBA, but it looks like we've got a lot of somewhat stable situations, at least going in. So let's start us out. Let's go into uh, this first game on the board, 234 and a half total. The Rockets going into Detroit, uh, Detroit favored by four. Start us off on the Rockets side of things. How are you seeing the uh, Houston side here? Yeah, certainly a good spot for them going into Detroit. Um Still no Kevin Porter Jr., no Jalen Green either. So this is going to be a you know a weird one for Houston because you're losing your two primary scorers. Obviously, you still have Shangun. Uh, the offense should entirely run through him now. Um, it's a matchup against Detroit, so like that's kind of the nice part. It's still likely to be just a high-scoring game without much defense. So um, I think you should get plenty of value here. We have Shangun 8,800.23% ownership. Uh, we know that he gets a bump without Kevin Porter Jr. Should probably see more usage without Jalen Green as well. He's playing big minutes. Um, last game, you know, you had the blowout loss against Cleveland. So he only played 30 minutes in that game, but that was in three quarters. Uh, barring foul trouble, you're just seeing these mid-30s games from Shangun in anything competitive. KJ Martin at 5,200 is going to look pretty good. I'm curious to see what the starting lineup ends up looking like, but Eric Gordon at 4,500, he's actually been productive this year when you take Porter and Green off the floor, which is kind of surprising because I think of Eric Gordon as being incredibly washed at this point. But um, you do see a bump in usage. You see a bump in production for him. So I think that's a spot to pay attention to. 453 minutes, or sorry, 305 minutes without Porter or Green on the floor. 0.96 DraftKings points per minute for Gordon, but a 26.6% usage rate, 22.4% assist percentage. Basically, that 0.96 DraftKings points per minute would just be a lot higher if he wasn't watched. But you know, you're know, you still talking about basically a point-per-minute guy. Shane Goon's played 160 minutes without them at 1.4 DraftKings points per minute. KJ Martin, 0.86 DraftKings points per minute. He doesn't really change no matter who is or isn't on the floor. Um, Jabari Smith has only played 118 minutes, but has a 25% usage rate. So I think you're likely to see his production come up or at least his opportunities come up. Jayshon Tate's interesting at 4K because we have seen in the past, not this season, obviously, because he missed a lot of time, but we've seen in the past that Jayshon Tate really can take over as a playmaker when the primary playmakers are out. And we've seen some massive fantasy games from him in the past under these conditions. So it's a question mark of, you know, like how is he going to start? How many minutes is he going to play? But at 4K, point guard, small forward eligible, certainly interested in him. If Josh Christopher starts at 3,200, I think you go back to the well on him. Um, he's played 138 minutes without Porter or Green, 1.02 DraftKings points per minute. He's another capable playmaker. So the starting lineup here is going to tell you a lot, but I think no matter what, Alperin Shangun is going to look good. 
KJ Martin's going to look like KJ Martin normally does when he starts. And then you can expect a bump in production from guys like Tate, Smith, Christopher, Gordon. Um, obviously, Tari Eason is a high upside play. I'd be cautious with him. Like, I don't think you should read into his playing time last game because you had Jabari Smith in foul trouble. Smith only played 19 minutes. Tari Eason played 25, including all of the fourth quarter in garbage time. So that was kind of a spot where um, I think people were sort of on him. We're, we're sort of over projecting him and, and on him for the wrong reasons. And then they got there anyway. Um, but yeah, like still a very high upside guy. Just, I wouldn't read into the playing time that he got. Yeah. Just that he got that. The people who played him got that little bailout from, uh, from the extra minutes in the, yeah. uh, in the garbage time there. So yeah, we've got him projected 21.6 minutes tonight. So that is definitely cutting him down a peg for right now. 23 uh, FanDuel point projection, 23 on the DK board and only, you know, single digits optimal, single digits relevant, but everybody else that you talked about definitely hitting the board on both sites. The most relevant guy across both sites for people out there is definitely looking like Shingun, at least at this point, yeah. 31% optimal FanDuel, uh, 20% optimal DK, slightly negatively leveraged on DK, more negatively leveraged on FanDuel, but I almost don't care with a center who's going to be that optimal with a 50% boom score probability on a basically 50-point FanDuel projection, 47. I really don't mind that negative leverage there, so I'll get to shares of him. We don't have too much time to go back and forth on it. I don't have a great follow-up out of this one. I think Josh Christopher is a guy to keep our eye on, right? 3,600 FanDuel, cheap on DK as well, and pulling decent optimal rates already with just like a 20-minute projection. If we do see him jump into the starting lineup again, like he's kind of a, another guy, another time to just kind of hit the mash button on Josh Christopher again, right? Yeah, just to kind of like, I guess, succinctly wrap up what I was saying, I expect the starting lineup to be Eric Gordon, KJ Martin, Jabari Smith, Alperin Shangun, all of those guys look either good to great. That fifth spot, though, is just going to be key because if it's a 4K Jay Sean Tate, that's a really good sign for his playing time. Say $3,200 Josh Christopher, that's a really good sign for his playing time. Both of them are good point per minute guys. If it's like Garrison Matthews, then he's cheap and probably playing minutes, but you need to be a lot more cautious because he's just not a good fantasy option. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And his uh, 0.66 uh, FanDuel, uh, 0.67 DK points per minute probably doesn't make that leap that we're seeing out of Eric Gordon's. Eric Gordon's is about the same for the season, but like you were saying, it jumps to about a point per minute when those other guys are out and he's getting a decent amount of time here. So definitely the more playable the guys uh, with the interest of time here. Let's jump over to the other side of our first game that we're talking about. Alec Burks, top of the board for Detroit. Uh, we saw him uh, nice bust out 35 uh, fantasy points on FanDuel in 30 minutes the other day. Um, looks like a solid play from the top of the board again here. What do you think of Burks? And then what are you doing with the rest of this team who kind of just look like who they are single digits across the board on uh, both sides? Yeah. I mean, Burks is entirely dependent on this starting lineup. If he starts, he's too cheap. He's 4,500, you know, played 30, yeah, played 30 minutes last game. Like you said, wasn't in the closing lineup, but still played 30 minutes. If he starts, he, he looks great right now. We have him projected to start. We have him getting 18% ownership. I have no idea if he will though. Like, they were working Killian Hayes back from injury. Hayes played 24 minutes. I don't think there's any way that the plan with for any period of time going forward is for Alec Burks to be starting over Killian Hayes. It just make absolutely no sense for the Pistons. Like I, I saw people speculating, oh, they're showcasing him for a trade. Like this isn't 1975. Like teams know what Alec Burks is. They have video. They have scouting departments. Like you don't need to put Alec Burks in your starting lineup to show teams that he's like good. So Four I don't think in the stand smoking cigars. Right, like, right. Like I don't. Pads. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I don't buy into that narrative where it's just like, oh yeah, we need to showcase. It's got hot out there. Right. Like the teams. <laughs> It, no contending, no team that is contending 
has a dumb enough front office that they're changing their opinion on Alec Burks because of what he does in some random showcase game. <laughs> so I don't buy that one. I think Hayes gets back in the starting lineup sooner than later. Just don't know if it's today or not. Uh, if it is today, then I'm not particularly interested in the $4,500 Burks. Uh, I would certainly be interested in the $5,900 Hayes. But if Hayes is coming off the bench, you know, for 24, 26 minutes, I don't think you can get there. So whichever guy is starting out of those two is going to look good. Jalen Duran at 5,400, 4% ownership. I'm surprised how low that is. We saw 27 minutes from him last game. When he starts, he's typically upper 20s, low 30s. He's a good point per minute guy in a great matchup here against Houston. So I think that ownership probably comes up, but if it doesn't, I certainly want to be there. Then you get to Ivy and Bogdanovich, both just reasonable tournament plays. Neither one is very popular. They're both correctly priced, but in a matchup against Houston, just clearly a very, very high ceiling there. And then finally, the final piece of the starting lineup, we saw Sadiq Bey start and play 32 minutes last game. We saw Isaiah Stewart come off the bench. No idea how long that lasts either. Uh, if we get that same starting lineup, I don't think Bay is that interesting at 5,700, and I don't think Stewart's interesting at 5,300. If we were to get Stewart starting in place of Bay, or if we were to get Stewart starting in place of Duran, um, if Stewart's in the starting lineup, Stewart looks good at 5,300, mm -hmm. but not interested off the bench. Yeah, by virtue of being the, the cheaper guy with uh, you know a handful more minutes thrown his way from what we're projecting him for now, I can see how he would become a little bit more viable. Killian Hayes, uh, who you mentioned, you know, right now we're projecting him 25 minutes, just not really hitting the board on either site. So like you said, that's one where we're, we're keeping our eye on who gets that start. Um, and then the other one I wanted to hit on out of what you ran down there because he's different, uh, Jalen Duren, uh, 6,500 center only on the FanDuel slate, kind of off the board um, where he does look like a, a playable tournament piece on DK like you were yeah. saying. So. And ju just double check that he's starting, you know, like, yeah, I, I assume my assumption if Isaiah Stewart moves back into the starting lineup would be that it's for Sadiq Bay. But if it's for Jalen Duran, just don't play Jalen Duran. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Let's uh, jump out of this one. We will move along again in the interest of time. Chicago Bulls, uh, two and a half point favorites going into Orlando, 230 and a half points on the board in this one. I believe the Bulls are uh, mostly healthy as far as their, you know, recent pieces and uh, usual stuff. Goran Dragic uh, looks like a game time decision. Everybody else, it's the guys who have been out or out. Everybody else looks like they're uh, full to go. So what are we seeing on Chicago side here? Yeah. And, and uh, Dragic listed as probable for what yeah. it's worth. So I'm assuming that he'll be back. Um, on the Chicago side, I think it's kind of just the usual stuff. You have DeRozan, Vooch, Levine, all priced between 8500 and 9k on DraftKings. Nobody pulling a ton of ownership because they're pretty much correctly priced, but all three of those guys just give you very high ceilings in a good matchup here against Orlando. Um, Vooch is 4% owned because, you know, he is a center. You do get the, you know, high opportunity cost there, but certainly a nice spot to get to him. Levine with shooting guard, small forward eligibility is the easiest to get to from that standpoint. He does project behind Vooch and DeRozan though, but all three of them in tournaments, I think just from a ceiling standpoint, makes sense. When you're looking at the value options here, there's nothing to really be excited about. You know, you have Patrick Williams, um, who is Ford eligible, which is nice playing 30 to 32 minutes, but his salary is up to 4,800. Um, the Sunmu at 3,900 just sucks from a fantasy standpoint. Caruso at 4,300 should play like 26 to 28 minutes, but you know, also not a great fantasy option. So for the most part, I think it's pretty much just using the big three as high upside contrarian options in tournaments. But I don't really think there's a true priority here. Yeah, and that's how this team falls for me a lot. These guys in the Raptors, uh, for me, just fall a lot around those, you know, those main pieces. They're going to get their minutes. They're going to be basically who they are, and they typically go under-owned. And uh, like you're saying, on DK tonight especially, 
everybody well below 10% ownership, you know, decent, similar-ish optimal rates to those numbers. They're a little bit more um, for DeRozan and Levine anyway, a little bit more solid on FanDuel in terms of the optimal rates, but they're getting a lot more attention over there. So you're using the piece the same way, basically. Uh, you're not gaining a major advantage. Vucevic is somewhat interesting over there because he's 7.3% optimal and slightly under 10%. So maybe a little tournament sneakiness to, uh, to Vooch, but the other two are getting a little bit more love from the public uh, for their optimal rates. And then, yeah, kind of the same thing across sites. Everybody's single digits. So let's jump over to the other side of this one then uh, and make quick work of this because it doesn't really look like we're getting a ton from the Orlando side. More so on DK, there's a little bit more relevance over there, a little bit more ownership there. But what do you make of the Orlando side of this one? Who do you like from that? Yeah, so I mean, this is the second half of a back-to-back, -back, so we'll have to keep an eye out on if anybody's resting. But assuming we get the same rotation as yesterday, um, probably plus Jonathan Isaac, I think it's pretty much the same thing we were looking at yesterday, a team that isn't overly appealing, but you basically have four guys that are going to look decent. Paolo Bencaro and Markel Fultz, 7,100 and 5,800 respectively, are pulling 10, 11 and 10% ownership. And I think that makes sense. You know, you're going to get around 30 minutes from Fultz. Typically you're going to get mid thirties from Bencaro at a pretty cheap price tag. So they both look pretty good. Then you get Carter at 6,400, who is basically just a contrarian tournament option. He should play around 30 minutes. The issue with him is just, you know, the opportunity cost. You have Shingun, you have Duran, you have, you're going to have a million centers. You have Vooch. Um, and then Franz Wagner, shooting guard, small forward, 6,700, should give you like 32 to 34 minutes as well. So those four guys, all certainly viable options. Beyond that, I don't think there's much. You know, you got 27, 28 minutes from uh, Cole Anthony yesterday. That's always on the table for him, but he's up to $4,900 now as well. It's just not really going to look like that good of a price tag. Uh, even without Jonathan Isaac yesterday, you only got 20 minutes from Bowl Bowl. You only got 17 from Jalen Suggs. So that, that you know, was with a condensed nine-man rotation. I'm assuming you're giving eight minutes or 10 minutes to Jonathan Isaac today as well. So I think it's pretty much those four, Fultz, Wagner, Carter, Bancaro, um, and then just moving on. Yeah. And like we said, coming, you know, teeing this one up, they're getting a little bit more on the DK side of things where our highest optimal rate is 8.7. Our highest boom score probability is 14.7 on the FanDuel slate. Both those, those categories well under 10% in, uh, in both. And that's before this is with only jo with Jonathan Isaac only projected for 1.4 minutes in our current iteration of these projections so if you figure you throw him 10 minutes pull it from somewhere else some of these guys are going to come down even further or it's just going to get like you know average down so i'm going to take some pieces of some of these guys where they fall but i don't expect unless something changes for these guys for orlando to be a major part of my plans tonight uh, at least at this rate um anything else from this one before we move on nope all right let's tell everybody out there oh this is a good one to tell everybody about two free months of stochastic plus platinum for free Right there. You guys would want that, right? Now, here's the catch. All you have to do is go over to BetMGM, open up an account over there, make your first deposit, make a paid wager. What's great about that opportunity is BetMGM is offering you guys up to $1,000 of first bet insurance. That's a pretty good deal. That's paid off in site credits. So if you miss, if you bet $1,000 and you miss, I believe they give you four site or five site credits of $200 each is how Emac explained it to me that he got his thousand back because uh, he didn't hit on his first bet, but he got to redo it. He got another crack at it, another bite at the apple. So that's what they're offering here over at BetMGM. There's a little bit of stuff we got to tell you guys about though. The legal age for gambling in most states, if it's legal in your state, the gambling age is probably 21. I don't know. Adam, did you ever have a fake ID when you were a kid? Did you gamble in casinos or anything before you're 21? 
Uh, actually, no, surprisingly. Oh, wow. That is a surprise. I gambled in uh, Atlantic City when I was, uh, I think, 18, maybe 17. We used to go to resorts all the time. Resorts was like our target because it was like the dingiest rundown because, right. you know, so we figured they needed the business and they weren't going to card us. And that was before I had a fake ID. Once I got the fake ID, never really got carded, but that's when we started to go around everywhere. But the point of that is don't do that. Don't be like <laughs> me. You don't want to end up like me hosting some, you know, random DFS show online. You don't want to end up like me follow the law the law says 21 that's the law in your state for gambling if you have a problem gambling and hey maybe the guy who's sneaking into the casino does who knows call or text 1-800-GAMBLER if you feel like you've got a problem gambling or if somebody that you know and you're concerned about them has a problem gambling with all that in mind get your first bet insurance over at BetMGM. you can uh, sign up over there using the promo code platinum sub that's all one word all caps platinum sub two free months of stochastic comes along with it there's a link in the description follow that go over there big mgm uh, button will pop up when you create your account at stochastic just follow the details there it'll help you uh, get over there and claim all that good stuff we need to move along here so let's go to the next game los angeles clippers going into atlanta one point dogs for the clips 233 point total another solid total here what are we seeing from this one are we expecting uh i believe this is the second half of a back-to-back -back for the clips is it not uh no they played oh, was that two they played third they played thursday with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Three nights, two nights. Okay. Yeah. So we, we, have, we have Marcus Morris questionable, Covington and uh, John Wall both out. But other than that, clean injury report for them. So not a, I mean, the, the Marcus Morris piece matters. But other than that, um, the important pieces are not on the injury report, which is nice. You have Paul George still at $8,700 for unknown reasons. Uh, good spot, 116 implied total for the Clippers. Shooting guard, small forward eligible. He's pulling about 16 to 17% ownership on DraftKings, deservedly so. We have with an 18% chance of being optimal. He just looks very good. Um, played 35 minutes in the blowout win over the Spurs the other day. Uh, potentially could have played more. He played a total in the first half of about 20 minutes. So very, very appealing rotation for him. Played the entire second quarter. Only sat for two minutes and six seconds in the first quarter. So uh, certainly like to see that. He's just underpriced here at 8700 Beyond that, though, I don't think there's a ton to like. You know, Kawhi at 9800 obviously he's Kawhi. He has a ceiling, but that's pretty much a correct price tag on him. It's difficult to advocate for paying $1,100 more for Kawhi than for George, unless you're just simply saying, like, I don't know, it's I have $1,100 for some reason, and I just want the ownership uh, discount to Kawhi, sure. But, yeah, like, it's clearly 
Paul George in terms of when you know factoring in salary. We have Kawhi projected about half a point ahead of Paul George and eleven hundred dollars more expensive. Zubots, as usual, interesting in tournaments. Uh, he's only about a 0.85 DraftKings point per minute guy with George and Kawhi this year, and you know obviously the playing time comes and goes. But for a fifty-seven hundred dollar guy with no uh, ownership against a front court in Atlanta that utilizes actual centers. I do think there's a good chance you're getting 30 plus minutes here from Zubots if this game's competitive. Uh, but again, you know, you kind of, it's center. There's a million good low owned plays outside of that. I don't really see much from this team. Downstream impact. If Marcus Morris doesn't play. Any I'm not even really sure. Season? Like, yeah. cause I mean, Coving- Covington's out too. Covington ended up playing 21 minutes last game, but only three, only like five minutes, five and a half minutes in the first half. You got, 17 minutes from Luke Kennard in his start. If Morris is out, you're probably seeing a little bit like it's going to solidify the Batum minutes. He played 26 last game. Um, Norman Powell only played 21. Like I'm not sure it has that big of a DFS impact. It, it helps. I think Covington being out also, that's a potential positive for um, Zubats minutes as well. But mm-hmm. if Morris is out too, like that probably helps to solidify the Zubats minutes even more. It does give you more Nick Batum minutes. I just don't know how much that even matters at 3,700. Yeah, and it's just kind of being spread across a handful of guys that are all, you know, 0.75, 0.66, 0.78 type fantasy point per minute type guys. So it's not really the most appealing spot in the world like you're you're getting at there. So, yeah, I think, you know, we keep an eyeball on it and see if something weird emerges from it in the projections and the numbers. But as it's playing right now, I agree with that. I would say uh, Kawhi Leonard, a little bit more interesting. He's 9,500 on the FanDuel slate, slight discount from DK, uh, multi-forward eligible. So he's a little bit more optimal over there, basically double the optimal rate. Um, So a little bit more relevant there but definitely Paul George is the uh, the play of the day from the uh, clip side of things here. What about from the Atlanta side? Trey Young, top of the boards at 8-ish percent optimal rate across both sites. Nobody else really shining through for all that much upside or all that much optimal rate, but maybe some ceiling upside uh, with some of these guys. What are we thinking here? Yeah, another pretty interesting team in that there's good plays that just aren't popular. And this goes back to what we were saying at the top of the show where there's just a ton of appealing games on this slate, a ton of plays that are going to look good. Um, we got a Neko Okongwu back last game. You still got 27 and a half minutes from Clint Capella. He's 5,900, 3% owned. He's certainly in that bucket with Zubots on the other side where it's just like, all right, this is a good, you know, Capella, a better point per minute guy than Zubots, likely to play 28 minutes or so. Definitely a ceiling for him there at what is still a reduced price tag. Trey Young pulling um, about 11% ownership at 9,600. Certainly makes sense. Should get around 35 minutes from him. DeJounte Murray's only 8K, pulling 7%. That's fine in tournaments, but as usual, when Trey Young is in, DeJounte Murray's not as appealing. Other than that, not really much for me. I think Young's the guy you get to the most. Capella and Murray are interesting in tournaments. If you need a 5K, you know, Ford, DeAndre Hunter is not on the injury report. Um, He's not pulling any ownership. Like, that's fine, but it's certainly not somebody you're targeting. Uh, Same can be said for John Collins. You're not getting any backup center minutes now that Okongwu is back. He should play around 30 minutes. He hasn't been a very good point-per-minute guy this year. Has been producing a little bit better recently, but um, I think it's pretty much young Capella Murray as the guys that I would expect to get to. Yeah, it's looking like it's kind of breaking down where like a smaller slate with fewer options at center power forward. I might have a little bit more Capella Collins interest here. I'll take shares of them where I get them because they're you know very low on they're positively leveraged. But yeah, nobody I'm really going out of my way for. I think Trey will pop into his solid handful of my lineups, but not a lot else here um, in terms of the Atlanta side of this one. So let's move on to the next game here. 
keeping a good pace going. Uh, Washington, four-point dogs going into New Orleans, 230.5 total in this one. We've got Washington, uh, big question mark in this one. Kristaps Porzingis listed as a game-time decision, but looks like he's doubtful uh, with an ankle injury. So what do we know about KP? What's the downstream impact, uh, assuming he doesn't play? And uh, what are we looking at from the Washington side? Yeah, so if he doesn't play, it should make Daniel Gafford look better. Uh, he's coming off of a game where he actually managed not to foul out, and he played 32 and a half minutes. Uh, you always run foul risk with him, but if Porzingis is out, and right now we have Porzingis projected out, and you're getting a $4,700 Gafford at 6%, just another low-owned, good, you know, high upside center option. Um, you you obviously run foul risk with him, but the minutes are there if he avoids foul trouble. So. I certainly think that's an interesting spot. The guy's actually pulling ownership, though. You have $4,500 Denny Avdia. He played another 30 minutes off the bench last game. It's just very difficult for him not to play around 30 minutes at this point. Even if he's not starting, he's likely to be in the closing lineup. And there's just a lot of minutes available now that Rui is on the Lakers. So 15% ownership coming into him certainly looks fine. He's about a 0.9 DraftKings point per minute guy. You have a $7,300 Beal who, uh, once again, only played 30 minutes last game. He played 30 minutes on both ends of that back-to-back. -back. I assume you start seeing more minutes from him sooner than later. Um, I'm not sure. Do you happen to know if they're playing tomorrow? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. I can look it up. Um, because if they're not playing tomorrow... I would think they're not, so they're not playing tomorrow. I think there's a good chance you get like 32, 33 from Beal just because they're not playing tomorrow. Um, yeah. That's not a guarantee, but it does just kind of make sense to me that sure. that would happen. Um, he's 7,300. You know, if Porzingis is out, he certainly looks better. You get more usage as well. $9,100 Kuzma, we know has about a 30% usage rate without Porzingis. He should play a lot of minutes here coming off of a game against Houston where he played 41 minutes. He's expensive, but probably worth it. Um, so I think those are the main four guys like Avdia, Beal, Kuzma are going to be the easiest to get to when you consider positions and price. Gafford as a tournament option makes some sense. If you're going to take shots anywhere else, it's probably, you know, $4,400 DeLon Wright. Um, probably plays a couple minutes alongside Monte Morris here. Morris at 5,200, you know, 2% owned. Corey Kispert, 3,200 shooting guard, small forward. None of those guys are particularly interesting. Um, but, you know, if you're playing 150 lineups, maybe you get there. But I think it's Avdia, Beal, Kuzma as the guys that you get to the most. Gafford as, you know, a tournament contrarian play. Yeah, and I tell you, this team's somewhat interesting because we see a lot of these teams where, like I mentioned with whoever that was we were talking about just before, where like all those, uh, the Clippers, all those pieces coming off the bench, those ancillary pieces were, you know, 0. 0.66, 0. 0.75 uh, points per minute. We have a number of guys on this team, and most of them are in the starting rotation, don't get me wrong, but we have a number of guys on this team that are productive over and around one fantasy point per minute. So there's a lot of solid options from this team, and you can kind of just bounce between the guys that are priced down a little bit and like if we're looking at it you mentioned Gafford because he's 4700 center only drawing a little bit of attention over on DK he's kind of off the board for me on the FanDuel slate because he's center only 5900 yeah but then we get Kyle Kuzma 8500 multi-forward eligible more interesting than over on DK at 9100 multi-forward eligible to me so I think there's a lot of mixing and matching that we can do with this team and uh, the points per minute makes it interesting pieces to be uh, to be using even like a deal and right is it has some uh, has some appeal there uh, what yeah, about the other even even Beal's up to you know 8k on FanDuel, so like he's he's yeah. fine there, but nowhere near as appealing as 7300 on DraftKings. I don't think. Yeah, 7300 is dirt cheap. That's uh, that is definitely standing out. And 11.9 uh, percent, uh, or excuse me, 9.7 percent optimal, 11.9 percent owned. 
I do not care. Like, don't make that decision based on negative leverage. Make that decision based on the ceiling of a game where Bradley Beal gets north of 30 minutes, gets 32 and change minutes at that price. That's where we want to make that decision. So I do not care that he's negatively leveraged on that uh, on that slate at that ownership. What about the other side of this one uh, with New Orleans here? Um, looks like we had um, – who did we have questionable? It was uh, – I think Dyson Daniels is out. Zion obviously still out, but uh, no other real pieces uh, missing on the injury report right now. So what are we seeing from New Orleans here? Yeah, so it makes it kind of a difficult team because you do have Brandon Ingram back. Uh, he played 26 minutes last game. Looks like that was by design, uh, kind of just weird rotations for him, shortened rotations, got to 26 minutes. So I'm not expecting full minutes from him. Uh, makes me not interested in him at 7,500, but he is playing enough minutes where it cuts into everybody else. You know, you have an $8,200 McCollum. He actually leads the way on this team at 6% projected ownership. The minutes will be there. You know, if you want to just hope you get a big CJ McCollum game, sure. Like he'll probably play every minute that Ingram's not on the floor or most minutes that Ingram's not on the floor. So you're talking about still a nice chunk of minutes where McCollum's out there without Zion and without Ingram, which we know is great. The ceiling is still there and that price came down a little bit, but uh, Ingram cuts into him enough where I don't think he's the same level of play he would be if Ingram were out. Joval at 7,200. The playing time with him is always a concern, but he has been playing more minutes recently. Played another 29 minutes last game. We saw Larry Nance uh, play a couple minutes alongside him again. That's been happening a little bit more frequently uh, recently. So I think expecting around like 26, 27 minutes from Joe Val is reasonable. 1% owned. You don't need a lot of him to be over the field, but it is certainly a spot where he could just wreck this Washington front court. Um, Larry Nance, 4K, pulling 2% ownership. You know, again, it's a cheap price tag. He has been playing a couple minutes alongside Joe Val. If you wanted to try and get there, you know, a little bit, sure, but like just not anything I'm comfortable with or confident in from this team. Yeah, Nance is another one, you know, looking across the board at uh, the FanDuel slate, 5,300 power forward and center. I don't love it. 4,000 4, power forward and center on DK. I can get behind it a little bit. 5.2% optimal. But yeah, nobody popping above 10% optimal on either side from this team. I'll get my shares of CJ and move on. Um, and I think we're looking at, you know, last time out, 34.4 minutes, 52 on the FanDuel uh, scoring, 52, probably in that neighborhood as is ceiling in this current configuration of the line. I mean, 52, 55, maybe we're pushing 60 in a great spot, but it's, it's kind of uh, it's kind of capped for upside in this uh, situation with New Orleans. So I think we can move on from this one. I've got a super chat that uh, dropped in here that I definitely want to mention because our pal guitar man, 24 seven uh, regular in the chat for all the different shows dropped $50 super chat in there says, thanks guys. Appreciate you. Put a little ellipsis on there as if there might be something coming after that. So, guitar man, buddy, if you got questions out here. Oh, now he's saying, uh, let's see, just different bands at different times. There's a shitload of touring bands that are not famous per se. So, I guess there's a conversation about bands going on in there. Uh, uh, one more last night. Oh, all right. There. He said he made 15K he last night. That's, that's what we were looking for. That's the key detail, buddy. Congratulations out there, guitar man. Uh, that's an awesome score. Nicely done. We appreciate the super chat. Keep it coming. And uh, make sure you're tweeting that result out to our uh, Hall of Fame uh, at Stochastic HOF. Get yourself a free month um, for having come in if you've got our Stochastic logo on your account there. Uh, let's see. We just talked about New Orleans and Washington. Let's talk about our sponsor, our presenting sponsor, our pals, Prize Picks. You can get yet another free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. So that'll be month number three. If you've done the other promo that we mentioned before. Now you go over to Prize Picks. You go over, you create an account at Prize Picks. You make your first deposit over there. Bang, got yourself a free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Not too bad. We're also topping that with a match bonus on your first deposit from Prize Picks up to 100 bucks. 
So you instantly double up $100. You put in 50, they'll match 50. You put in 100, they'll match 100. As Emac likes to say, you put in 200, they'll match 100. So it's a nice way to start your account off. And it's a great site to play on. It's prop-based contest. You're not playing against Sharks. You're not playing against Adam. You're not playing against Alex. You're not playing against Steve Buzzard or any of the other guys from the, the site or any of the other sites out there. No optimizers, no mass entries. You fill out your five-entry prop-based card play against the house. If you win, you can win up to 10 times your entry fee. It's that simple. You can use cross-board entries. So if you got uh, picks from basketball, picks from football tomorrow, picks from hockey, all kinds of different sports, mash it all together on one card, take down a nice score, go 10X your entry fee. They're giving you the deposit match. We're giving you a free month. Go check out prize picks, you guys. Uh, we're not going to do screen share because we don't have enough time. Uh, direct people to our free prize picks props tool. We've got a free prize picks pop. That's difficult to say. We've got a free prize prick for prize picks prop tool at Stochastic. Go check that out as well. Uh, it's probably an easier way to say that than using a tongue twister. Uh, let's go back to the board here. Adam, what are we making of uh, Sacramento? Two and a half point favorites going into Minnesota. 237 point total in this one. Uh, leading the slate, it opened at 239 and then two points came immediately off the board here. But uh, what do we make of this one? Are we expecting full go from the guys who are always questionable on Minnesota these days? Rudy looks like he's not carrying a tag. But uh, what do you make of their situation? And then uh, what do you think of uh, the Sacramento side here? Yeah, I mean, we'll have to keep an eye out for Minnesota since they played yesterday. We don't have an injury report yet. Who the hell knows? Um, yeah. St play whoever's starting yeah i mean we'll, we'll start with sacramento side i guess but uh sabonis and fox both are going to look good uh you have the same issues with sabonis that you've typically had where he's center only at 10-3 so as good as he is you know it is still difficult because you have so many good centers that are less expensive you're paying you know an actual premium for sabonis but if you find a way to get there great if gobert happens to be out even better but uh, either way, Sabonis, you know, very, very good, high upside, contrarian tournament option that also is going to require you to sacrifice uh, quite a bit elsewhere in your lineups. De'Aaron Fox, 8,300.14.5% ownership. That looks good. Um, that's just not really a correct price tag for him in what should be a high-scoring game. I think the wings here are pretty interesting as well, though. We're actually not seeing much ownership come into them. And typically, you know, maybe this slate shakes out a little bit differently, but typically getting these, like, Ford, small Ford or Ford in general type guys in the 5K range has been really useful for building lineups recently. And you have Kevin Herter likely to play around 32 minutes. You're likely to get like 32 to 34 minutes from Keegan Murray, 5,400 and 5,100 respectively. Herter in particular, shooting guard, small forward. So even easier to get into lineups. He's 10% owned, but Murray only three. $5,400 Harrison Barnes also only 3% owned, typically playing mid-30s in minutes. Um, I think any of those guys are kind of interesting ways to just offset some ownership and not sacrifice too much in the way of projection uh, in your tournament lineups. But I think Fox is probably the guy that you're getting to the most here, just because that is a very favorable price tag. You're likely to get low to mid thirties uh, minutes from him appealing game environment. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a weird spot. Like I, I love this game, but I also yeah. don't love the pricing. I think most of these guys are correctly priced outside of Fox, which makes it a little bit more difficult to say any of them are true priorities. Yeah, Fox at 8,300 uh, across both sites, actually. Uh, same price tag, definitely some appeal there. 1.21 uh, DK points per minute, 1.18 on the FanDuel side of things. Coming up 18% optimal FanDuel, 12.3 uh, on DK. Getting ownership, but again, another spot. Don't really care that much about ownership. And I totally agree. I think the that mid-range priced wing is so interesting for our lineup construction, especially these guys who have the shooting guard small forward eligibility in that five and $6,000 price range. If you get those right, 
right? They go a long way to really helping your lineup construction because we get our big plays typically from, in my opinion, anyway, either the bigs, you know, the, the power forward centers or the point guards posi- position or the, or the, you know, the prime scorer shooting guards. So I really think that those are key, key plays. And Kevin Herter really looks like that on DK today at 5,400 on the FanDuel side, he's 6,300, same positional eligibility, but it just wipes out his upside. He's 13% optimal on DK, 4% optimal on FanDuel, 4, uh, 4% boom score probability. So just takes him off the board, or doesn't take him off the board, but knocks him way, way down uh, by comparison from site to site. So on the FanDuel side, it's really Fox and Sabonis for me. And then everything you said uh, you know, is uh, about those two players on DK, certainly willing to go back to the board there. But I just think it's interesting site to site how, uh, how Herder works there. What are you seeing on the Minnesota side of this one? Uh, I mentioned Rudy Gobert coming in, but uh, we don't have any question marks about him. So we've got the, uh, you know, the usual uh, D'Lo, Rudy, Anthony Edwards, Kyle Anderson kind of showing some appeal. Are you going to these guys? They're all positively leveraged. They look like decent plays today. Yeah, I think whoever's starting at center for Minnesota is going to look good. Obviously, Gobert was disappointing yesterday. Only played 31 minutes instead of the 34 or 35 that we've been seeing recently. But on average, you're going to get like 32, 33 minutes from him. He's about a 1.1 fantasy point per minute guy without Carl Anthony Towns this year. It's a good spot against Sacramento. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's still only 6,800, so certainly going right back there at 11% ownership if he is in. We'll have to wait for the injury report on that. If he's out, uh, Nas Reed's salary did jump from 4,300 to 4,900. I'm still playing a ton of Nas Reed if Gobert is out and Reed is starting, um, but you know, obviously to get a little bit more expensive overnight. The other spot to pay attention to with you know if Gobert were out, they could go to Nathan Knight. I still assume they go to Reed, uh, but Nathan Knight is 3,400. If he were to start, he's very easily one of the best values on the slate. Uh, so like I said, whoever's starting at center, be that Gobert, Reed, Knight, I'm playing a lot of them. Um, probably more the cheaper they get, but playing a lot regardless. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards are both going to look good. $6,900 price tag for Russell, $9,400 for Edwards. We got another 37 minutes from Russell yesterday. So whatever that weird stretch of not playing a lot of minutes was for D'Angelo Russell appears to be over. Um Comfortable going back to him. You know, I think you project him for around 34, 35 minutes. And in competitive games, you're going to get north of that. Anthony Edwards should give you around 36 minutes, assuming that he plays today. 9,400 shooting guard, small forward. He's going to look pretty good. Kyle Anderson just keeps putting up big games at 5,600. We saw a game recently where he was really limited by foul trouble and played like 12 minutes. He played 27 last night, but he was once again lit, uh hampered by foul trouble as well. He had picked up two fouls in the first quarter, but then he picked up yeah, he picked up two fouls in the first quarter. He picked up another foul in the third, and I guess they benched him with three fouls, which is just hmm. weird and dumb. Yeah, I, I think he had another foul in here, and uh, it's just not being listed. Um, but yeah, he, he dealt with some foul trouble. That shortened his uh, stint there. Normally, you're going to get like 32 minutes or so from Kyle Anderson. Still just a decent tournament option at 5,600, plenty of upside there. Um, but I think you're basically building around whoever's at center, Russell and Edwards. 
Yeah, and Anderson, it's worth noting, still put up 43.6 in the FanDuel board, um, you know, in that 27 minutes. So you get him up to five additional minutes on top of that, you're pushing 50 points from, that's a pretty decent little score for 6,500 multi-forward eligible. So yeah, it looks like we've got four or five relevant pieces from this team uh, going into this one, if nothing changes. So definitely one that's going to be a big part of, I think, of everybody's plans and uh, surprised they're not actually pulling a little bit more popularity with the rates the way they are. It might just yeah. be, you know, the fact that there's no real emergent values that everybody's really targeting so far. So yeah, I think this is just, later oh, sorry. Later. Yeah, I, I think this is just like a weird game. It's a, it's one of those games where there's a very, very good chance at the end of the night that one or two guys in this game just put up a score where it's just like, that's good at any salary, you know, any reasonable salary. But like when you're going into the slate, it's just like, yeah, $6,900 D'Angelo Russell is nice, but like, it's not, you're not going out of your way to get there. $8,300 Fox. Like, yeah, he's going to show up in some lineups, but you're not looking at it. It's going like, holy shit, he's cheap. But like this game is likely to be played at such a fast pace with limited defense where you could just very easily get that, you know, 50, 55 fantasy point Fox game or the 65 fantasy points a bonus game. Like these games where it's just like, yeah, I should have just, you know, gotten there because it's the price ends up being irrelevant. So, and we'll keep this short, but knowing, knowing that I promise not to do this too much, is this a spot then um, seeing how it's you know potentially going to come through Sims and through optimizers, at least early on, is this a spot where you would potentially give something a nudge when you're building lineups in your optimizer of choice, uh, you know, thumbs up somebody or, or add to projection or, or something like that, or increase randomness, whatever, you, whatever you, method you use. Yeah, I, I personally wouldn't because the way that I build lineups is going to pretty much account for that. Like, you know, I use randomness. I, do pretty much anything I can to account for range of outcomes. So I, I already have things in place that'll do that. And so I'm not going to just like bump guys on top of that. If you're somebody that like, you know, I don't, I don't know other people's processes, but like if, if you are just building sh for some reason, like straight off median projections, then yeah, you probably want to do something to account for the fact that there is a lot of volatility here and what could just be a wildly high scoring game. But um, for me, like I already have that stuff mat uh, factored in pretty much as much as I can, I think. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, the, that's the, you, the person that I'm asking on behalf of, I guess, uh, you know, when I think about the people who ask questions about fantasy cruncher that are, that are doing things mostly within fantasy cruncher, right. I'm entering 30 lineups, 25 lineups, whatever the case may be. So I built 300 and I'm trying to sort it down just by sorting by medium projection. Maybe I delete some by ownership, et cetera, et cetera. For that guy, maybe you do give a couple of these guys a nudge just to make sure you're getting your shares in that mix of 300, 500, whatever you're building. And then you try and whittle it down with it in mind that you've given some guys a nudge. So make sure you're not getting too much of anybody, but maybe you do give it something like that in that Adam and I, I don't know Adam's process exactly, but like my process, I'm going to have 3000 some odd lineups to work with so i'm just going to have a full share of all these guys anyway and it'll just go through my sims and, and my process to decide similar to what you said so i'll just land right. on these guys anyway but i think the smaller that pool is the more you might want to give them a nudge yeah and it's definitely i mean like i guess like thinking back to when i used to hand build lineups you know back mm -hmm. in the day before i think fantasy cruncher even existed um when i would sort of my process was always to kind of just go like bottom up and, you know, start with the best value and then basically just try and build what I thought was like the optimal lineup, I guess, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but then I would try and find spots where it was like, all right, well, you know, I think this point guard has a similar ceiling to this guy that I think is going to be a lot more popular. That's where I think like if you're hand building, you know, for example, you want to be thinking about this game where it's just like, you know, okay, um, I don't know off the top of my head what 5k Ford is getting a lot of ownership, but maybe I can make him Kyle Anderson and hope that this game like just shoots out or, you know, maybe I can make some other popular player into like 
you know, maybe, you know, I can 2v2 and get up to Demonis Sabonis and, yep. you know, lower, you know, move, move down off of the, like, player that I'm least confident in, in in the optimal lineup. Like, just stuff like that. Like, paying attention to, like, how high the ceiling for these guys really is. Yeah. So, so to put it in, in, you know, to put a bow on it, like, if you're reaching into your pocket for a guy, that's probably the first game you're going to. That's the first one. Whichever position, if you just want a pivot point, there's a lot of low-owned upside for this one. So I think it's, it's for me, it would be the first one I reach to and not if I'm reaching into my pocket for a guy. Um, let's move on. We've got uh, Phoenix going into San Antonio. I almost said Sacramento. Phoenix uh, favored by five and a half going into San Antonio. Two thirty-one and a half point total in this one. Uh, we've got uh, Booker still out for Phoenix, and then all the other uh, Payne and Shamit still out. Crowder still out. Uh, so, what are we seeing on the Phoenix side of things? Uh, anything that you're keeping your eye on, and any uh, big values? Um, yeah. So, on the the Phoenix side, you know, we've been getting they've been healthier uh, recently. They still are missing Devin Booker, um, but Chris Paul's been playing huge, huge minutes. That's the thing that has really stood out recently. Uh, it's just a ton of playing time for Chris Paul. Uh, you got 38 minutes again last game. He barely sat in the second half. So I think he's just still going to look very good here. Uh, he's pulling 32% ownership at 7,900 on DraftKings. It's a situation where, yeah, he's going over-owned. We have him with a 21% chance of being optimal. But at the same time, he's playing San Antonio. Phoenix is only six-point favorite. So, you know, there's blow there's obviously blowout risk, but it's not like it's that likely. Um, I think getting to Chris Paul is certainly going to be a good idea. This is a kind of spot where I guess like going back to what we were just talking about with Sacramento for our hand building, like Chris Paul is clearly going to be in that lineup that I put together. Maybe I turn that into like Darren Fox at half the ownership, but um, Chris Paul clearly is a top option here just based on how many minutes he's playing. We know he's a good point per minute guy. It's a good matchup. DeAndre Ayton, 7,600, another good center in a good spot. He looks good. Uh, Cameron Johnson, 5,500. Uh, again, here's a small forward in that price range that's pulling a lot of the ownership. And I think he should be. We saw him play 33 minutes last game. That was good to see. Uh, it seemed like his playing time was trending up. But then two games ago, we got that blowout where he only played 18 minutes. So you couldn't be too confident in what exactly trending up meant. Seeing 33 minutes from him is fantastic. Um, so Paul and Johnson, I think, are the two guys you're building around. DeAndre Ayton, where you can get to him, is great. You know, Obviously, being center only makes it difficult. Mikhail Bridges should still play big minutes can clearly run into a big game against the Spurs, but more of a secondary option. But I think Paul and Cam Johnson are the priorities, both going a little bit over-owned, but also both just clearly top options. Aiton and Bridges are your contrarian tournament options. Yeah, Paul standing at the top of the board on both sites, 20-plus percent optimal rates, 20-plus percent boom score probabilities. Ownership totally justified, but he will be very popular. Negative uh, 14 leverage score on Fandle, negative 10 on DK. So something to keep your eye on as far as the popularity. You took the question and the follow-up right out of my mouth as far as that pivot goes. So I think that makes yeah. a ton of sense. You know, it's Chris the same Paul. thing, too, with like Cam Johnson versus Herter or versus mm -hmm. Barnes or versus Murray. Like Cam Johnson is the guy that projects the best. If you're playing cash, you're playing Cam Johnson over those guys. If you have a lineup that already has like three, five percent owned guys, play Cam Johnson over those Kings guys. But if you're just looking at a lineup and you're like, oh man, I like all these plays, but they're all 15 to 30% owned. Cam Johnson, the one of those Kings makes a ton of sense or to Kyle Anderson makes a ton of sense. 
Yeah. And that's a situation where like, I'm just looking for, Hey, I can, I can get to an equivalently uh, price guy, or if you're dropping down in salary, just make sure you're doing something wise with that money. If you get a chunk of salary, like a lot of people just use that global swap and just bang. All right, this guy's in now and that other guy's out and I'm, I'm good. Take the time to see what else that can buy you. It's a, it makes a lot of sense when you're making some of those pivots. So don't just do it in a vacuum where it's a one for one swap. Think through the entire, uh, you know, combination in the lineup. Anything else from this one to call out for the, oh, wait, we didn't talk about San Antonio. So there is something else from this one to talk about. Yeah, I guess uh, if, we, about, if we must. <laughs> if we have to, right? Yeah. They do look a little bit more relevant on the uh, on the FanDuel slate, or at least Trey Jones does that. 13% optimal rate, a little bit under-owned uh, by that mark, but nobody looking at all relevant. Uh, everybody five and below uh, in terms of optimal rate on uh, DK so far. So breeze us through this uh, San Antonio side. It just looks like a tournament team to me. There's not one guy on DraftKings that stands out as a priority, but they do still have a 113 implied total. There is still plenty of upside on these guys. You know, Jakob Pertl, 5,800, right there with Zubats and Capella. You know, the playing time, you can't totally trust it, but when he's not in foul trouble and the Spurs aren't getting blown out, you're likely to get around 26 minutes. The thing to keep in mind is he's a 1.2 to 1.3 DraftKings point-per-minute guy without Devin Vassell on the floor. So any game where you do happen to run into that 28 to 30-minute Jakob Pertl game at no ownership, you're likely to be in a really, really good situation. It's just that it's not going to happen all that often. But a cheap price tag on him. Similarly, you have a $4,100 Zach Collins who's been extremely popular recently. That price tag came up a bit. You're likely getting around 18 to 20 minutes from him off the bench. Good point per minute guy, you know, but does have that opportunity cost at center where if he goes for, let's say, 24 DraftKings points, sure, he's 6x his salary, but he's probably actively hurting you because of the opportunity cost. If he goes for 30 at 4,100, then sure, you're in a good spot. So um, wouldn't cl clearly wouldn't play him and Pirtle together, but they do both offer some upside. Pirtle, to me, though, is the one that's actually interesting just because things have to get really weird for Zach Collins to give you like a 40 or 45 fantasy point game. Portal really just needs to play like 30 minutes and play at, you know, an above average, a little bit above average rate, which is likely happening if he plays 30 minutes. So um, I, I do like the lack of ownership coming into Portal. Keldon Johnson is kind of a small forward version of Portal. He's getting 2% ownership. He shouldn't be getting that much ownership, but also, he has like a 31% usage rate without Devin Vassell. So you're just going to get those random games where he goes for a million fantasy points at no ownership. Um, Trey Jones, 6,200, should play around 30 minutes, fantasy point per minute, like sure, but also not somebody you're getting to very much. So I don't think this is a very appealing team in terms of players I would get to a lot. I do think in particular, Jakob Pertl and Keldon Johnson, if you're just looking in a lineup where you're like, you know, I have 6K left at center and I need a contrarian play. I think grabbing any of Capella, Zubat's portal makes sense. Um, if you're, you know, I have 7,300, 7,200 left at Ford, I need a high upside contrarian play. Keldon Johnson makes sense, but you know, you're not building around any of these guys. Yeah, I feel a little betrayed by Keldon this year. I haven't gotten him right all that frequently this year. And I feel like that, I, that didn't, that wasn't necessarily the case coming into the season, but uh, yeah, we'll see if we can get it back with, uh, with good old Keldon here. He's, marginally on the board, 7% optimal over on, uh, on the FanDuel slate. So maybe we'll yeah. get some shares of him. But... Not a big Keldon fan right now because he's burned me a lot this year. And then that 60 fantasy point game against Portland, uh, I had a 1v1 off the winner where I had Jeremy Grant, the winner had Keldon. So um, <laughs> not, not a big Keldon fan. That's going to hurt you. Yeah, I don't have one uh, quite that specific. So I think you hate him a little bit more than I do right now. But 
maybe he's on the board for us at least a little bit tonight. Uh, like I mentioned, Trey Jones on FanDuel. Maybe we'll get to some shares of him. I do love Pirtle. Uh, you know, I get to him quite a bit. 1.21 FanDuel points per minute, 1.19 on the DK board. Um, 6,600 over on FanDuel. And then Zach Collins just kind of comes off the board on the FanDuel slate. He's 5,400 uh, power forward center versus the 4,100. He is uh, center only on DK. So even with the multi-position, just kind of drops off the board. You had mentioned not wanting to play uh, Pirtle and Collins in the same lineup. Is that something you find a need to, to make a rule for? Is that just not really come up that frequently? I don't think it'll come up that frequently today. It's come up a lot on slates recently um, where like they were playing the Lakers and Collins was 3,600. So it was kind of just like Collins is showing up in like a lot of lineups and it's just going to overlap with them um, with Bertle today. I doubt like I'll still set the rule, but I doubt it's going to show up all that much to where it matters. All right. Makes sense. Uh, let me knock out an ad read. We are officially uh, two minutes from the end of the show schedule, and we've got three games to talk about. So we're going over time, but I think we've got a little bit of room to go over time today. Uh, let me tell you guys real quick about the lineup generator, NBA lineup generator, 50% off your first week. Then it's coming to $8.95 after that. So for a very limited time, 50% off your first week of the Stochastic NBA lineup generator package. If you click the link in the description down below, you can choose your ownership setting, lock and swap players, and export up to 20 lineups, all for under $5 for your first week. That's not so bad. $8.95 a week after that. Uh, hey, it's for more casual guys. It's exactly the people that we were just talking about who, who don't use Fantasy Cruncher or any uh, major optimizer because they're not building 150 lineups, not building 3,000 lineups, trying to whittle it down to 150. They're just looking to build 20 quality lineups, 10 quality lineups. That's what the lineup builder does for you guys. So get in there, 50% off your first week of the lineup builder package. Check it out. It's really worthwhile. We had a guy win 50 grand the other day on uh, Tuesday with the lineup generator. He shouted it out. We're not saying it. He said it. So, I mean, we're, we're directly from the user's mouth. Not too bad. Let's jump back into the slate. Uh, we've got the Lakers, seven and a half point dogs, 235 points on the board uh, in their matchup against their longtime rivals, the Boston Celtics. This one's in Boston. What do we think of the Lakers side of this? Um, I think the Lakers suck, but <laughs> it's also from a fantasy standpoint, pretty difficult to get to this team now that you have Anthony Davis back. Uh, this right now on DraftKings, there is not a single player projected for more than 1% ownership. There's not a single player projected wow. for more than 0.6% to LeBron. Every other player is at 0.1. Obviously, those numbers are probably a little low, but like it, it's just I can't make a case for any of these guys. Um, LeBron 11-6. Yeah, he's really good still. Like, it's crazy how good he still is, but tough matchup against Boston. Anthony Davis is back, which cuts into his production. You have Davis center only at 10, four, not something I'm really looking to get to Rui's 4,300. I will say, pay attention to the Lakers lineup. They brought Rui off the bench last game. He played about 22 minutes. If we get Rui in the starting lineup, I would think he's probably playing like 26 to 28 minutes. He would start to become appealing then, but even then, like he's still contending with LeBron James and Anthony Davis for production. So it's going to be risky. It's also a tough matchup, but assuming they go with the same lineup they did last game where Rui's coming off the bench, um, Davis is, well, Davis, yeah, Davis, Davis is coming off the bench. Uh, he played 26 minutes, but I just don't think that there's any real way to get to the Lakers here. Yeah, as you were doing that analysis, I'm not sure if I was on screen, but I was like sitting here like mouth agape looking at these numbers. I've never seen our tool produce these kind of numbers in like look at the Lakers, like you said, everybody 0.6% ownership on LeBron is currently the highest ownership, but 1.8% optimal is the highest optimal rate. 3.72% boom score probability, highest boom score. I've never seen a boom score for a full team look this bad or a, a boom bust report for a full team look this bad there. That's just like, I never say cross a team off, but wow, this is 
pretty damn close. Yeah, I don't think you need to cross them off because any optimizer, any whatever, yeah, like right. if you're using an optimizer or something, it's not going to get you there anyway. Right, absolutely. So what do we think of the Boston side of this one? They look a lot more relevant, uh, definitely on the FanDuel side of things, more relevant on the DK side of things, but uh, the story seems to be on FanDuel. But what do you make of the, uh, the Celtics side in general? Very, very, very good spot in terms of the matchup. I mean, they're eight-point favorites at home, so obviously there's some blowout risk, but typically just not going to be as worried about the team doing the blowing out anyway uh still no Marcus smart but everybody else relevant is active we got 31 minutes in regulation last game from robert williams even with horford in that was cool to see um Derek white played about 26 minutes i, I think it's basically jason tatum at 11-1 he's pulling six percent ownership we have him with an 11 chance of being optimal i typically find it difficult to get to tatum at that price tag but if you can, you know, it is a good matchup. Mm -hmm. He's somebody where right now, if the slate started, I probably would have trouble getting there, but it's a Saturday. There's a good chance by this time the slate starts that we've gotten three teams ruled out that we're not even expecting right now. So, um, you know, potentially more value, making it easier to get there. I do like Robert Williams at 5,500. If he's going to play 30 minutes against the Lakers, that's a good price tag. Just, I guess, throw him in there with Zubats, Capella, and Pirtle uh, as very, very high upside sub 10% owned guys at cheap price tags. This is another reason why it just becomes so difficult to get to say like the Monis Sabonis as good as he is. You just have this group of like 5,500 to 6K centers where any of them could go for 35, 40 fantasy points and just make it so tough to pay up. Jalen yeah. Brown, probably my favorite Boston guy. It's probably either Williams or Brown as far as my favorite Boston guys to get to. But the fact that Brown has shooting guard, small forward eligibility at 9,200, and he's also only 6% owned makes him very, very interesting. Um, Brogdon, 6,100, played 30, about 30 minutes in regulation last game. Don't hate getting there, but don't really love it. Um, I, yeah, I think it's Robert Williams and Jalen Brown as the guys I like the most, but really any of Tatum, Williams, Brown, Brogdon, even $5,300 Horford look okay at low ownership. Yeah, for sure. And it's really the ownership is really appealing on the DK slate. You're getting positive leverage out of all those guys and you know the upside of uh, everybody that you name there. And then you look across the board on FanDuel, they're a little bit more popular or significantly more popular, but they're pulling, you know, Jalen Brown, 16.8% optimal, 23% boom, Robert Williams, 17% optimal, big boom score. So a lot of upside, a lot of appeal there, but we don't have all that much time to continue talking about it. Let's move on to the next game because uh, we're running through the schedule here. Uh, Dallas Mavericks, this is a talk point they're going to be without Luka Doncic going into this one seven and a half point dogs going into Utah we talked about it at the top of the show lowest total on the board by a pretty solid handful of points at 224 what do you make of the Dallas side of this one uh Spencer Dinwiddie obviously the uh prime talking point but what else from Dallas and then uh, you know tell us about Dinwiddie obviously yeah I mean here's where all of the ownership is coming in and it, and it really should be like you don't the thing is you also don't have Christian Wood so Dallas is a team that basically has two high usage guys and then a third guy in Dinwiddie that uh, is just a true beta but um, ends up stepping up when those guys are out so it's just, I mean, it should be the, the Spencer Dinwiddie show here. 1.3 DraftKings points per minute in 195 minutes without Wood or Doncic this year. 34.5% usage rate, 46.2% assist percentage. It blows my mind how this guy is just non-existent when he shares the floor with Luka or going back to Washington when he shared the floor with Beal. But then, like, he just turns into a star when he doesn't have any competent teammates. Um, but... He's just going to look great here. 7,400, you know, the price tag jumped $1,000 from last time out. Doesn't matter. Just then what he looks great. The only argument against him is that nearly half the field is going to have him. And, you know, obviously there are 
he's going to fail a decent percent of the time, but um, he looks great. Josh Green at 3,600 should play a bunch of minutes. He's 32% owned, not the best point per minute guy, but we saw him play 32 minutes last game. Overall this year, he's played 132 minutes without Wood or Luca on the floor. 0.79 DraftKings points per minute. Certainly should get it done at 3,600. Dwight Powell um, playing more minutes without Wood and Kleba. Uh, now you have just a thin rotation in general, you know, Luca being out. So, um, should get north of 30 minutes from Powell. He's 3,800, pulling 52% ownership. That scares me simply because on DraftKings, he's center only. And it goes back to what we were saying about um, about uh, Zach Collins. Like, if Dwight Powell goes and gets you like 24 DraftKings points, it's going to be good value, but it's also probably going to hurt your lineup. But the thing is that with the minutes that he's likely to play and him being a fantasy point per minute guy uh, in 138 minutes without Wood or Doncic, he just projects for... Like we haven't projected for 29.2 DraftKings points at 3,800. That's just tough to get away from. Dorian Finney-Smith, 4,400. Not a good point per minute guy, but 96 minutes this year without Wood and Doncic, 0.77 DraftKings points per minute compared to his 0.6 DraftKings points per minute overall. So he certainly looks better. Tim Hardaway Jr., 25% usage rate without Wood and um, Doncic, 5,900. Like, the best player in the league. Right, yeah. Don't know why I'm blanking on his name. Um <laughs> So all, all five of those guys are pulling a ton of ownership. All five of them should be. It's a situation sort of like we've seen with Cleveland with Donovan Mitchell out where you want to be paying attention to the individual lineups that you're making in large field tournaments. You're going to need to offset this ownership somewhere. You're probably, you know, you're not going to just be jamming all of these guys in together, but if you're playing like 150 lineups and thinking about it in terms of overall exposure, that doesn't mean that you have to be going into this slate saying, Oh, I'm fading Spencer Dinwiddie or I'm fading Dwight Powell or whatever. Like you can still get, a lot of these guys just within individual lineups, make sure you're balancing out with a couple of low owned guys um, beyond those five. I don't think there's a ton to like you know, Reggie Bullock at 3,200. It's Reggie yeah. Bullock. Like if you want to try and get lucky, sure. He is probably cheaper than he should be. And he's not pulling any ownership. He played 31 minutes last game. He's it, it's a spot where like Josh green certainly is bet, a better play than Reggie Bullock, but Josh green's getting 10 times the ownership in a given lineup here and there. Play some Reggie Bullock if you need a low on guy. He's going to beat Josh Green more than one in 10 times. Yeah, and it's not like you're blowing your head off going from a 0.66 uh, FanDuel point per minute guy to a 0.49 FanDuel point per minute right. guy. Like we're, we're just rolling some dice trying to find an upside game where, yeah, Reggie Bullock went out there and hit five threes for us or whatever, you know, whatever the hell he did. But watching the game, Josh Green, certainly a more exciting player. I had a chaser with him in it the other day and could have used another dozen or so FanDuel points out of him and probably would have gotten home but uh it, he's you watch him he steals the ball runs the length of the court and then throws it down against two defenders who are running back to try and stop him and like you think why isn't this kid better why isn't he producing more and I'm not sure what the answer to that is but uh we'll have another bite at the apple for him tonight for sure because he's definitely going to be relevant across both sites but yeah we're pushing you know 20 plus percent optimal rates for all five of those guys you were focused on on both sites 30 percent for uh dinwiddie and powell so definitely a lot of value from uh, the dallas side however we're slicing it what about the utah side of things jordan clarkson larry marketing uh, a little bit of mike conley maybe a lot of guys showing a little bit of value on the FanDuel slate again not as much on dk but what do we make of the utah side here yeah, I mean, not nearly, obviously not nearly as appealing as Dallas, but not particularly appealing in general. Uh, still a, a decent spot to get to in tournaments, but I just view them like a lot of these other teams where, you know, Markkinen's price tag is coming down. He's 8,600. He is incredibly good and I think should be starting over Zion, but um, still makes it difficult to pay 8,600 for him, you know, on this particular slate. He's pulling 7% ownership. You have a little bit of ownership coming into 
Conley and Clarkson, but there's just nothing that looks all that appealing to me from uh, from the Utah side. Uh, you can throw Kessler into that mix of 5,500 to 6K centers that have massive ceilings as well, but uh, clearly not any sort of a priority. Yep, and that's kind of how they're all lining in the tools. They, uh, you know, just kind of look like uh, who they are. And I'll take some shares of who I get. I'll take a little bit more Conley maybe on the FanDuel slate. He's pulling a nice little 4.2 leverage score, 12% optimal, 8% uh, owned. So not a lot of love there. So maybe a little bit more interesting for tournaments on FanDuel. But I want to pivot our conversation real quick before we wrap up this last game. I think, Adam Scherer, you are uniquely qualified to answer this question from Avi Schreer who dropped a $50 super chat into uh, chat here. He says, I came in 15th on FanDuel out of 32,000 entries. I needed Duarte over Levert. I also came in second and 11th out of 37,000 entries last week. Is there any way that you can talk about fantasy tilt? I'm tilted right now. I should have won a Hummer last night. I don't know if he means the car or the other version. Uh, I <laughs> wanted to get to Duarte. What do you think? How do you manage tilts how do you manage expectations results outcomes downswings all of that stuff adam and uh, when you don't win a hummer what happens i, I want to meet the girl where uh it costs 50k um <laughs> but uh no Maybe i mean it's, it's just having one like it doesn't matter how much money it's just you wanted to you know right yeah win. true um <laughs> no but i mean I, I think it's one of those for one like with experience you kind of just get dead to it like it, it, it sucks whenever that like you get close and don't win, you know, with how top everything's are like for sure. Um, but I mean, for one, it's just, you kind of just get numb to it. But I think also just trying to keep in mind that like, cause there's always a tendency to be like, Oh, well, if this had just gone my way or, you know, whatever I would have won whenever you get close, you got super lucky in like multiple spots, just by definition, you had a lot of things break your way. So I think it's, it kind of helps to like, just focus on the things that went your way. And, you know, it, it, it always helps me when it's just like, Oh, well, you know, if this guy didn't foul out, I would have won, but then like I can look and be like, oh, well, this guy on this team, you know, did get in foul trouble and my guy benefited. So I can't really be that, you know, you just have to get so lucky to be even near the top of a tournament. I think just sort of focusing on that helps. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no like, great answer for it. It, it just sucks <laughs> yeah i mean look what it's you know it comes down to partly whatever helps you calm down in a argument with some guy on the bus right if you're a person who comes home and meditates or smokes some weed or whatever it is like whatever your relaxation technique of choice is but i think you really hit on it with just it's kind of experience and it's kind of just numbing that edge of, of just, you know, just round it off. And, you know, I had a lot of time playing poker over the years that maybe took some of that away where yep. yeah, you went into the hand with aces and some asshole went in with a three and an eight and he ended up beating you. That doesn't mean you made the wrong play. The, the thing that the reason I think DFS is so much more difficult mentally than poker though, is poker after you like get busted from that tournament or you lose that big pot in cash or whatever, you can just rerun the hand and see exactly how much money you, sh you were expected to make yeah. and know that if you keep making those decisions, you're going to make money in DFS in large field tournaments. It's just like, Oh, I came in fourth. I have no idea if I'm a good tournament. Like if I'm <laughs> a winning tournament player or not, I'm going to assume that I am. And that, you know, I just got unlucky and I'll run better next time, but maybe that's the closest I ever get, or, you know, the closest <laughs> I get for the next two years. Like that's the thing is you can't like rerun it and just like immediately know if you were, you know, in the black or not theoretically. Right. Was this decision correct? Was this right. decision plus EV? And yeah, it's just, the track is definitely a lot easier to see as far as, uh, as yeah. far as poker. And, and as far as like, I, I think I saw him mention that he was uh, debating between Duarte and Levert. Like that's a spot too, where, like, I don't know what your individual lineup was, but whenever I see something like that, I'll go back. Like I mentioned earlier, the 1v1 that I had with Keldon Johnson and Jeremy Grant. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like I had ever considered swapping that because like it's not, the lineup wasn't doing well, so I hadn't even looked at it. Um, yeah. But 
like I went back and I looked and I was like, okay, I had Keldon Johnson projected a point and a half ahead of Jeremy Grant. Like, I don't think I made some massive mistake by having Jeremy Grant in that lineup. It's just, you know, randomness worked out that way. Um, but it's not like I played somebody like five points behind them. So I would go back when you're kind of beating yourself up over a one V one like that, go back and it's like, all right, you know, did I have Levert and Duarte projected similarly? If you had Levert ahead of Duarte, which I think everybody probably did, then you really can't be too mad at yourself. The other thing is like, pay attention to the ownership of that lineup. If it was a lineup where like you just had straight chalk throughout it, then maybe you could be like, Oh, I should have gone to Duarte. But even then like him being low owned, it's not like it gets you extra fantasy points. It doesn't, the reason you would go to him isn't, you know, Oh, I thought he was going to beat Levert. So it's kind of, as long as the guys are projected similarly, I think you kind of just have to accept that it's variance and, you know, you, you can't know the future. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point, we're, we're not trying to build a, a completely watertight ship. We're just looking for to plug as many of the leaks as we can. Right. It's not it's impossible to get them all right. We just want to make sure that we're covering all of those different spots uh, as best we can, where it's this guy was close to that guy. This guy wasn't separated by 10 fantasy points in right. my, uh, projections on the way in. So, yeah. And, and I, I mean, if you and if you're somebody that kind of just does find yourself like having trouble, like being able to comp like compartmentalize like the, well, if I made this one V one or whatever, pay attention to all the times that you do make a change and it doesn't work out. Like think like all the times that you do make that Duarte over Levert pivot. And then you're just like, shit, I cost myself so much money because I didn't switch. Like you're, you're going to find that when you're talking about players that project like one, two points differently, it's going to come out close to 50, 50, like no matter what you do, you're going to be wrong. Like half the time you, you can't like get, you, you can't be upset that you did or didn't do something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it just becomes, again, it just becomes a matter of, you know, understanding how that process works and then just repeating it so much that you just become numb to those <laughs> decisions yep. after a while and it just doesn't matter. Uh, let's move on to this last game on the board here and, and we'll get the people out of here and go about their day. I need a nap. I've been up all night. Uh, Toronto Raptors, five point dogs going into Portland, 232 and a half points on the board here. What do we make of this Toronto team? Um, lots of minutes for these guys, as usual. Uh, we did see a lot of, Precious Achua again last night, which uh, was interesting. He played 36 minutes. Uh, we had OG and Anobi get injured, so that's something we have to keep an eye on here. Um, we don't have an injury report for them yet, but if Ananobi is or yeah, if Ananobi is out, you're probably going to be getting Precious Achua in the starting lineup, which is going to make him look like a solid value option at 4,400. Right now, we have Ananobi projected out. Um, we have Achua pulling 27% ownership. This is why you're seeing such low ownership on these high upside. $5,500 centers is you have these two just clear cut values in Achua and Powell. And then you just have, you know, a bunch of good centers. So that's why that ownership shaking out like that. Pascal Siakam's a victim of that 9,700. If you can get there, great, but it's going to be tough on FanDuel should be easier where he's power forward eligible. Fred, we have waited 8,100 pulling 16% ownership is going to look good. Chris Boucher, 3,600, not entirely sure why he's getting 11% ownership here, even in the second half without Ananobi yesterday, he only played about seven minutes. So I think that the ceiling is there for a $3,600 Boucher, but I'm certainly not comfortable with him. 6,600 for Trent, 7,700 for Barnes, both reasonable plays in terms of upside. But um, I think the priorities here are likely to be Van Vliet and Achua, assuming that Ananobi doesn't play. Yeah. And uh, just looking at our numbers right now, do you expect the Achua ownership to go up as we approach lock, assuming we uh, get OG is out and, uh, and the slate's going to break the way we're expecting? Or do you think it's going to stay this way? Because he's looking really, really positively leveraged for something yeah. that optimal right now. I, it's just hard for me to imagine it getting that much higher because you have Dwight Powell. Like maybe if you get Achua starting, I guess what probably happens if you get Achua named the starter, you see the gap between 51% Powell and 27% Achua close to where it's like, you know, just 
40 to 30 or 40 to 32, something like that. Um, It's just hard for me to think that you're getting a lot more combined ownership from Powell and Achua when they're already combining for like 75% of a possible 200 on a slate that has a lot of good centers outside of them. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. I I can see that gap closing uh, as we get that news. And then just looking at Chris Boucher, um, completely off the board for anybody playing on FanDuel. He is $5,400 for some reason on the FanDuel slate today at uh, center and power forward versus the 3,600 that you were talking about him on on, uh, DK. So important note there for our FanDuel fans. Uh, Last team to talk about here, the Portland Trailblazers. Dame Lillard, top of the board in terms of median projection, top of the board in terms of optimal rate on DK. Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant outpacing him in terms of optimal rate over on the FanDuel site. What do you like from Portland here? Uh, Always, Dame. That just goes without saying. Um, You have, you know, these pay down center options available, which can make it pretty easy to pay up for Dame at 10-5. Obviously a massive ceiling, and he just seems to be in one of his uh, grooves that he gets into every year. Obviously, that's not predictive of what he's going to do today, but uh, he's playing out of his mind right now. 10-5, certainly happy to get to him, only pulling 10% ownership. Simons and Grant are cheap at 6,300 and 6,100. They take a hit with Lillard back, but um, they're just really cheap and playing big minutes. Nurkic in tournaments, again, he's a high upside center. He is questionable. If he is out, then you get a $3,700 Eubanks as another value center option. But if Nurkic is in, he's just another high upside mid-range center that's going to be difficult to get to because of the value at the position and the sheer number of good centers. Josh Hart, also questionable. Uh, If he's out, you're probably getting a Nas Little start at 3,500, which would give you some wing value, which would be nice. Um, But right now, if we assume Nurkic is in, we assume Hart is in, I think Dame is the guy I want to get to the most. Obviously, he's expensive. Simons and Grant are a little bit underpriced as well. Yep. Dame's a guy I want to go out of my way for, but I will definitely take shares of Simons. I'll take shares of Grant on the FanDuel site where they're coming up a little bit more optimal. Just, you know, price play over there. It looks like 6,400 a piece uh, for those guys. Multi-position on Simons. So I like getting there. Um, I think that's going to probably wrap us up. I don't see any really important things to touch on follow-up wise there. So killer job, Adam. Uh, tell the people where to find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ShipMyMoneyDFS. There he goes. And that was your strategy show for today, gang. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, on the way out the door here, Odd Shopper. Don't forget to check out Odd Shopper. It's got everything you need to make sure you're maximizing your profits when you're making bets. You can shop bets, create your parlay using our parlay builder, find arbitrage opportunities, spelled with two A's here for some reason. And of course, most importantly, you can shop bets to find the best price available. More important than that, in my opinion, come back later on today, one o'clock to two o'clock NFL strategy show. We've got Chris Spaggs. We've got Neil Orfield. 2 to 2.30, we've got the No House Advantage NFL show with Petey McCarthy and Neil Orfield. And then I will be back after my nap, 6 to 7.30. I'll be joined by Matt LaMarca for the NBA Live Before Lock show later on. So make sure you're coming back for that. Check out our presenting sponsor, Prize Picks. Check out the NBA lineup generator for half off and $1,000 uh, bet insurance over at BetMGM on your first bet. I'm Terry McBride. I'll catch you later in the day. Good luck, gang. 